Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, welcome to another show and thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, stick around for more music coming up right here on Channel Q. What's up? You know. Another day, another sleigh? Exactly. Tuesday feels like it's been the longest week. The longest week already. Yeah. That's going to be a short week for me. <laughs> Summertime in the city. It, I'm going to be going out of town for a friend's 50th birthday. I'm very excited, but this has become like a lot. And I know for all, I mean, I think there's certain birthdays don't that you drag, go, Don't drag Leo's in I this. I am. It's don't all my Leo friends. You are asking too much of me on your birthday. I didn't ask anything for you. <laughs> I didn't ask anything. That's why I'm saying Leo's because you be, didn't hit as a collective should not be dragged <laughs> in this mess. Yeah. So uh, this friend of mine, bless her heart, uh, she's you uh, know you really don't have that much time to dive into the yeah, story. Anyway, but... we're going to Mexico. She wants to have like <laughs> themed dress nights. So we need certain outfits for each night. It's actually a lot of fun, but it's becoming you know more and more money and more and more stress. Well, why you just didn't say no? Because we're already That's going. That's what I'm saying. If I if I want to plan something. And, and, you know, you don't got to come, so don't yeah. complain about it. I, that's what I told my boyfriend. And yeah. that was a whole other oh. argument. Oh, no. All right. Anyway. Leo sees yeah. it just dividing relationships exactly. one by one. Let's get into what's coming up today. <laughs> California and Illinois have declared monkeypox an emergency. So what comes next? That's in 15 minutes. The next hour, we're talking about rebound COVID, maybe changing what we know about the five-day isolation period. Stick around for that. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi arrived in Taiwan, starting a visit that Beijing had warned her against. Pelosi is on tour of, on a tour of Asia that includes announced visits to Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, and Japan. She also wrote an op-ed after she landed, arguing that her trip demonstrated the U.S. commitment to Taiwan under the threat from China. And now a lot of people are asking questions around this, but here is what Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre had to respond to reporters today. I know you're asking specifically about uh, uh, the rhetoric that we're hearing from China, but as it relates to uh, the speaker's, uh, the speaker's uh, travels, uh, 
it's something that we're just not going to speak to right now. That's a hypothetical. Uh, we are we are not uh, just we're just not going to speak on her schedule. Uh, as we have said multiple times, we give advice and and uh, guidance uh, to any members of Congress where they travel to the region they travel, whether an advice on geopolitical uh, situation in the region or in the country, and any national security uh, uh, issues that may arise. But. All right, really scary stuff, but it seems like she's pushing forward. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so, ooh, let me clear my throat because that sounded gross. Let me clear my throat. So Demi Lovato is making another big change in their life, and honestly, that actually may be it. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Demi Lovato. Lovato is back using she, her pronouns. Okay. Uh, and this comes a year after coming out as non-binary and sharing her preference to go by they, them. Basically, she shared on a podcast that she came to the decision because she is, quote, such a fluid person. Further explaining why she previously even adopted uh, they, them, uh, she said her energy last year was, quote, balanced in my masculine and feminine energy. When I was faced with the choice of walking to a bathroom and it said women and men, I didn't feel like there was a bathroom for me because I didn't feel necessarily like a woman. I didn't feel like a man. I just felt like a human. Lovato said choosing to identify by they, them pronouns at one point for her was about feeling human at your core. Mm -hmm. Recently, is a quote, uh, recently I've been feeling more feminine and so I've adopted she, her again. But I think what's important is like nobody's perfect. And then basically um, Demi concluded saying everyone messes up pronouns at some point especially when people are learning it's just all about respect um i <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts about this i mean I have a lot of thoughts about this but i think you know demi like anyone is deservingly to yeah. go on a journey of She's, like their self-identity exactly. and whatever they're figuring out but i do think there's a very nuanced conversation about this about being able to assimilate back into like the binary in it's ways like that other folks can't. Yeah. And I think it can be harmful to a lot of different experiences, but there's such a nuanced situation, not to say that Jimmy doesn't deserve to go back and forth or feel this fluidity that they're feeling. Um, totally. But, you know, I think there is inherently a privilege and, in uh, that. And also, yeah. And also, do you feel like with everything happening right now and people not taking pronouns seriously, it becomes like, oh, you see, like, look at well, her. Well, yeah, I do think it can be a tool to fuel a narrative, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and I think that that's the harmful piece. There's so much yeah. harm that can be done with with folks who don't have the privilege of being able to do that. But that is your T-Report. Maybe we'll have a more nuanced discussion about that. I know uh, Char sent me this as well, and I know she has tons to say as well. So okay. that's your T-Report. Well, next up, California and Illinois have declared a state of emergency as monkeypox cases rise. Ohio could be next. More after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. California Governor Gavin Newsom and Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker declared states of emergency in their states uh, due to monkeypox outbreaks. Here's what Newsom said in a statement that California is working urgently across all levels of government to slow the spread of monkeypox, leveraging our robust testing, contact tracing, and community partnerships strengthened during the pandemic to ensure that those most at risk are our focus for vaccines, treatment, and outreach. And back with us is Dr. James Simmons as we dive into this. It's just really crazy how quickly this has progressed. 
yeah, this this is pretty crazy how fast this has progressed. And it didn't need to progress this fast and this sort of out of control. And I think that's why we're seeing, you know, uh, California, Illinois, actually Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, declared a state of emergency in the city of, and then Kathy Hochul went on to declare an emergency in the state of New York. So now we have three states who declared uh, states of emergency around monkeypox and You know, I think that can be kind of alarming for a lot of people when something like that happens. But essentially what this means is it's really cluing in on a lot of people that, A, hey, you really need to be paying attention to this. Like, I know you've been hearing it in your periphery, but, like, you've got to pay attention to this. People in powerful positions, both private and government ones, you got to pay attention to this. And, two, it frees up resources. So now all of a sudden, because I think what a lot of people don't understand is that public health departments are not publicly funded. They're generally grant funded. So a lot of public health departments only have access to the money that they've been granted from different governmental organizations to work on certain projects. So it's not like the, you know, we're in Los Angeles County, right? It's not like the Los Angeles County Public Health Department is just sitting on coffers of tons and tons of money that we've contributed as taxpayers. They actually have money very specifically earmarked to do certain things. But when Governor Gavin Newsom has declared this a state of emergency, it all of a sudden frees up a bunch of money for places like L.A. County and San Francisco and other places to get at more money, more logistics, and more people to be able to do the things we need to do to prevent this from getting further, which is really a vaccination effort. Yeah, but I'm, I'm wondering when it's only being positioned as an STD that only affects, you know, gay men or bisexual, gay, gay and bisexual men, it seems very harmful when people outside of our the LGBTQ plus community can get it. And I just wonder how that impacts when we're hearing about, oh, this is now becoming a state of an emergency and you want people to pay attention, but also you only want a certain group of people to pay attention instead of everyone who can also get it. Yeah, and this is, you're you're totally right, Ryan. And this is one of the scenarios where I I feel like people need to take a deep breath and pause. There's a lot of, of things at play here. And in particular, And, you know, we do this a lot when I come on with y'all, but talking about nuance and complication. So multiple truths are are exist in this scenario. And I think this is really important for people to hear. Ninety seven percent of all monkeypox cases in the United States are happening among men who have sex with men who have multiple partners. The truth of the matter is, right now, in the way that it is, this outbreak is only happening in men who have sex with cisgender men who have sex with men who have multiple partners. We also need to be really careful about how we talk about this. We also need to be really careful not to stigmatize our community. We also need to be really careful to let people know that monkeypox is not, nor has it ever been, a specifically gay disease. Anybody can get monkeypox. Certain people are at higher risk for bigger complications with monkeypox. And just because it was affecting us, cisgender men who have sex with men, does not mean that the government should have ignored it like they did and let it get out of control like it is now. Because you're right, there does seem to feel this overwhelming sort of like, well, we've had to take care of ourselves as a community for the last like three months, fighting and clawing for vaccines and, you know, knocking on doors and social media campaigns and all this stuff. And then now all of a sudden where there's like, oh, there's four children that have it. Oh, there's a pregnant woman in Indiana who has it. Like now all of a sudden everybody's paying attention and that ain't right. Yeah, it's it's sucks. I mean, Andy Cohen even did this video. I don't know if you saw where he talked about it on his show yesterday. I mean, what are you seeing where you're working? And are there new precautions now that are being introduced? I mean, like, what is the priority now, including during a state of emergency? 
So the priority really now, I think, is, is education, right, is, is educating people just to Ryan's point that this is something that should not be positioned, nor should it ever been, have been positioned as, you know, specifically a gay disease. It is not currently, although I think this may change for better or worse, and that's a different conversation, but it currently is not classified as a sexually transmitted infection. Let me remind folks, this comes from prolonged skin-to-skin contact, any prolonged skin-to-skin contact. Prolonged contact with a contaminated source, so like a contaminated chair, a contaminated bed sheets, contaminated towel, something like that, or very prolonged on the order of, you know, 20, 30 minutes, exposure via respiratory droplets. So someone, you know, a, a light cough as you're walking past them at the grocery store, not a big deal. If someone's talking in your face very closely, repeatedly for a long time, respiratory droplets, that's a route of transmission as well. So it's important to remember with all of those things, we need to educate the public that everyone is at risk. Here's how it's transmitted. No stigma to the gay community. And this is one of those times to play, you know, everyone teased Naomi Campbell because she washed down her airports, you know, uh, her airplane seats every time she got on. But now it's the time for all of us to start doing that because this does transmit differently than COVID. It's much more about the surfaces that you are contacting. Um, And just, you know, stay up to date on on the education and, and stay in the know. Yeah, I mean, we have about 10 seconds left. Can you tell people how they can get vaccinated? What what does that look like? I think a lot of people are wondering. Yeah, it's it kind of varies by community. So wherever you're listening to this right now, you can literally just Google, like, monkeypox vaccination and the name of your county. It's usually your county public health department that's doing that. Um, at this point in time, it's mostly people who are uh, men who have sex with men, people who are sex workers or have had other um, – higher risk sexual behavior or have been diagnosed with gonorrhea or syphilis in the last three months or individuals who are on HIV prophylaxis. Right now, those are the folks who are eligible for the vaccine, but as more vaccines roll out, that will certainly change. Okay, well, that was Dr. James Simmons. Follow him on social media at AskTheNP. Thank you again. Thanks, y'all. Kansas is introducing an amendment to the state's constitution on abortion, but it's actually quite confusing. So we're going to dive in on that and breaking it all down up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Today in Kansas, abortion rights is facing the first test at the post since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, back in 2019, Kansas uh, Kansas Supreme Court ruled that the state's constitution protects the right to an abortion. But will that decision change? Here to break this all down is Rachel Cohen, senior policy reporter at Vox. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so please explain to us, I guess, why (laughs) the timing is so intentional right now. Uh, the timing of, of today's vote. Decision, um, yes. So, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, this this vote is intentionally happening on an August primary day because Republican lawmakers in Kansas didn't want to put it on the general election ballot where they knew turnout would be higher, where they knew independent voters who make up 29% of the state's you know voting population would be showing up. So they put it on the sort of a Tuesday in early August where, it you know, everybody knows that turnout is much lower during primaries and late summer is no exception. So back in the winter, they, they put this on the ballot. Um, they're hoping for a low turnout today. Uh, apparently, the Kansas Secretary of State had said about an hour ago that turnout is so far way higher than they expected, which oh. could be good news, which could be good news for people who 
support reproductive rights since basically the anti-choice movement is counting on low turnout here and a confusing worded amendment. But the it's happening today because, um, you know, people knew there would be that there's less turnout, less attention on a on a summer primary than a November general election. Interesting. Yeah. And even one poll released last year from Fort Hayes State University found that 60 percent of Kansas residents opposed making abortion illegal in all circumstances. Uh, so, you know, that that could be also interesting in terms of like, does that polling reflect what we see in the votes? Exactly. Yeah. And there was a poll. There was a public poll released um, about two weeks ago that found the same thing. Like Kansas voters do not support banning abortion outright. They don't like they've said that multiple times. But so basically the main argument that um, anti-choice, anti-abortion advocates have tried to say is, oh, if you if you pass this amendment, that won't lead to a total ban. Um, But. But all political like experts in the state say like that's a load of crap. And yes, it would definitely empower the legislators in Kansas who want to ban abortion to to do so. Yeah, that's that value them both phrase that's kind of been floating around where supporters are organizing under that phrase, which is mm-hmm. I will say. Wait, what does that mean? So the value them both phrase is basically them saying, well, value women and unborn children. And oh, so yeah. that means like if you vote yes, then guess what? You're valuing them both, Win-win. which is I, I mean, politically, it's a little smart to kind of confuse the messaging, but <laughs> right. I just now yeah. I guess we're all wondering what happens if this amendment passes. I mean, I I think that like it would be a big it would be a loss not only for people in Kansas, but right now Kansas is really serving as as a as a beacon for reproductive rights for people all over the region have been traveling into Kansas as its neighboring states have been banning. So we like it would cut off access for millions of people really all in the Midwest to Oklahoma and Missouri and Texas. Like all these people have been coming into Kansas uh, for um, abortion care. And uh, you know, the anti-choice movement has been trying to make it seem like all of these people are flooding in for, late-term abortions and, and et cetera, but there hasn't even been a late-term abortion in the state in about four or five years, um, and that's and that's, and there, it's not allowed in the state. So there's, there's so much, um, honestly, just at best you could say misleading statements, but I would say there's a lot of lies floating around about what is happening in Kansas, what this amendment would do, and, and it's really been a deliberate effort to confuse people. Like, I was... I, I was studying the amendment for like a full day and I was like, this is very <laughs> confusing and I'm trying and I'm actively trying to sort of figure this out. And a lot of people don't sort of go into the voting booth super informed about all the different, you know, ballot initiatives they might have. And so yeah. it's really going to be this test on like how how well have people been paying attention? How well have groups been able to sort of help people be sort of on guard for some of the really intentionally tricky things in the language of how things are worded. Um, everyone, everyone says it's going to be really close. Yeah, I mean, we should be looking at this to see how, um, you know, it's, uh, not excited, but how our voters are paying attention and actually heading to the polls. So thank you so much for breaking yeah. this down. Rachel Cohen, a senior policy reporter at Vox, we appreciate you for joining us. Oh, yeah, thank you so much.
Now, Delta Airlines recently introduced a parallel reality system. Intrigued, we'll tell you more about what it looks like next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. You will soon be able to go to an airport and experience parallel reality. Are you uh, intrigued? Are you curious? I think... Do you, I saw... <laughs> I don't think it's a parallel reality. I think they're that's a bit They're calling it that. This is what they're calling it. Yeah, okay, let but me it's explain. not. Let me explain. <laughs> Delta Airlines is introducing this parallel reality system. It lets you get individual flight information on the shared overhead screen. You know the screens that you go to just to get the information, typically? You look up. It's really difficult. I don't know. I always have a hard time finding my flights and everything. And just look on your phone where your boarding pass is. Well, what so this mean? is the thing. They're saying that, well, you don't know that sometimes where your gate is. Or maybe there's a change of time. Yeah, or your status boarding pass check. updates. Your, oh, if it's on your phone. They're saying that they're worried about people always looking at the phone because they bump into each other and all that. Oh. And so, or maybe your phone dies. I don't know. What do you do? So they're trying to make, like, a, create a more effective way for them to help you find out where your flight is in real time. This is crazy, though. So how it would work is imagine the screen that you look at that, and around 100 people could be looking up at the same screen, and each of you would get your own individual information. So it would be like... You know, you look up at that screen, typically you see a bunch of different information. You would just see Ryan Mitchell, you know, uh, Slay God. No, it wouldn't say that. Uh, flight, blah, 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 at gate, blah, blah, blah. So it's like they're using a technology that basically would either, it it um, uses, it scans your boarding pass or your face. So bad, it, so no, they're already testing it out and it's actually like working really well. I yeah. think this is the, actually the Just future. Just because you're testing it out in two places does not mean that it's going to go well when it's in, like, over 500 places. Well, what would happen is a bunch of people would go, and, like, how many times are, is there more than 100 people in that area at once? Come on. There's probably, like, yes. 50 people. There's, I mean, I've seen busy airports and major in major metropolitan. You stand in a certain area. You have to make sure, even if you, people with kids, I see how, the, the ways I see this going so bad, people with kids whose kids run off, and then guess what? They're loud. They're now, like, they just step two steps over to the left side, and now they're seeing, seeing the next person's information instead no, of their you don't own see, information. It's only, you only somehow see your information. Because I, I think that's based off of where you're standing. Yeah. And so, like, like I said, if you step over. Well, obviously, if, if it doesn't got, say your name, you're like, oh, it's not my information. Yeah, but then that's that takes off time. How does that? How is that actually Supposedly sustainable for like you, it, people who travel with kids or people who like listen, travel with like? They're saying it's a ro- uh, it's robust and it's like it allows you. They had on busy days about fifteen to sixteen hundred people interacting with the technology. It's worked I'm not great it's so not far. Cool, but I. I I see the flaws in this. You also probably saw the flaws when you, you know you uh, got your iPhone. You're like, is this? Why no, would I use this? I was young when I got my iPhone. I thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing. I didn't. I didn't grow you up. You sound with, like you're I really grow old. Up, when I didn't you're grow up with this. one of them phones that you had to dial around in the circle like Shira did. Yes, those are the days. <laughs> Listen, I think there is something to be said. Of there needs to be a new system. We've used the same system forever, and it's really. Just I mean, not good. I do think, yeah, any systems can evolve, but I don't think it's that Here's what freaks me necessary. out. Here's what freaks me out, those airports. You know, they have those now robot things that are like, hi, welcome. And it's like this, uh, you know, that, like, it's a, it's, it's like, looks like you're in Star Wars or something. Like just a like a yeah, hologram thing. It's a hologram of a stewardess or of someone, like, telling you to go in line. That freaks me out. 
I don't know why. It just does. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, welcome back to the show and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Biden's second case of COVID. It's creating, of course, a conversation about rebound covid so what does that look like? Can you just get COVID again after you have it? Yeah, you got it. No, but meaning like a few days later. Oh. And that's in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then later this hour, Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri are holding primaries today. What to look out for in those also later. Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. In an interview with PBS Wisconsin, Senator Tammy Baldwin says she thinks she has the 10 Republicans needed to pass the Respect for Marriage Act. However, it probably won't get a vote until September. There are five Republicans who have publicly stated that they will support the Respect for Marriage Act. And I have spoken with an additional five uh, additional members have indicated that they are leaning in support. I think because of how crowded the calendar is for next week, which is our last week before the August recess, and in light of the fact that we can't have any absences, we need 
everybody there and we have a few members with COVID, this is probably going to be a vote that occurs what I would hope would be early September. Okay. Uh, And meanwhile, Jim Obergefell, whose landmark case before the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationally, is hoping he and fellow Democrats can make gains in the Ohio State House this year when he runs for office. Uh, He is unopposed in a primary for a state legislative seat representing Ohio's Lake Erie Coast through Ottawa and Erie counties. And he's also looking towards a November face-off against second-term Republican Representative D.J. Swearingen. The race marks the first time that Obergefell has moved from activism into a political run for office. And of course, the time is now. No better time than now with everything happening. Moving on to the Justice Department, who sued the state of Idaho seeking to invalidate the state's restrictive abortion law. It marks the Biden administration's first such uh, challenge since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. The Idaho law, set to take effect August 25th, imposes a near total ban on abortion and violates federal law. It would only allow abortion when the mother's life is at risk or in cases of rape or incest, if the assaults had been reported to law enforcement and copies of the reports are provided to the abortion providers. Lots of steps there to take, but Justice Department is trying to do something about it. So that was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, well, let's talk about J-Lo, because... Um her um, first husband just threw some major shade after finding out about the Benefer marriage. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, yeah, if you didn't know and you, like me, thought J-Lo's first husband was Mark Anthony, <laughs> you're wrong. So, another. her first husband was Ojani Noah, or Noah. He expressed his doubts about the Grammy winner's recent marriage to Ben Affleck. And let me say, he held back nothing. He said, I wish her and Ben the best. And if you didn't know, they were married um, for 11 months in the 90s. And he was talking to Daily Mail, which never is a good thing, and said um, basically that he wishes them the best, but he's not convinced it will last. He said, Jen loves being in love, but she's been engaged six times. Ben is husband number four. I was husband number one. And she told me I was the love of her life When when we lay in bed. On our wedding night, she said we would be together forever. Wow, he has a lot of therapy I mean, to go to. Still he needs to with unpack it. a lot of he's things. Processing. He went on to say we fell in love when she was already famous, but during our marriage, she became a mega star. For years, it was too painful mm. to talk about. I wanted to lie low and live my life, but when I, ne- I saw she got married to Ben, who is a good guy, the feelings came flooding back. <laughs> I no wonder she left your ass. Oh my God. I mean, he, he's, he's still feeling it. It's like the 90s. That's been like how many years? Um, like, yeah. geez. Get it's over it. I can see, though, listen, if you dated someone who was a megastar no. and kept seeing, I feel like it. That's like, not my problem. I know, but you don't think it would come up and be like, did you hear that she got engaged again? Or not my problem. Engaged? But also, no shade. No shade to J-Lo, my Leo sister. Um... He also made some points because her ass does stay engaged. <laughs> and who well, knows? Now she took the step to get married. True. But also, who knows? We you never, just never know. know. We won't know until it happens. But, you know, I couldn't tell if it was shade or if it was right. Give and it may her, exist in the both. Give her the benefit of the doubt. I love her. All right. I'm still, I'm still. Well. You're welcome. That's your team report. Love it. What is rebound COVID? And does it affect uh, your isolation period? More on this latest buzz term being thrown around next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
The phrase rebound COVID is going around after President Biden's COVID returned after a few days that, you know, he got he was negative. So what does it all mean? And could it happen to you? Well, science reporter at The Washington Post, Joel Achenbach, is back with us. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So is rebound COVID a real thing? Like, how did this all happen? Well, he, he took the Paxlovid and. We don't know exactly why, but the Paxlovid seems to make you feel a lot better, a lot quicker, but it doesn't seem to ensure that your body will clear the virus. And so what we're seeing is people, this happened to Biden and it happened to Fauci too, where they, um, you know, they, they recover from the infection, Paxlovid works, they feel good. And, you know, three or four days later, it's like, whoa, it's back. It's not really a reinfection. It's just the virus is still there. Well, what's really uh, interesting is the kind of basically the CDC's guidance has been drawing a ton of criticism from infectious disease experts. Why? Because it's clearly not just the Paxlovid. You're exactly right. I mean, the CDC guidance, we can just speak frankly here, it's not very good. It's bordering on bad. I mean, for, for, for reasons that are kind of complicated, the CDC is not recommending, you know, overtly recommending the kind of obvious thing, which is before you exit isolation and go back, you know, enjoying your normal life, you should test negative, right? You should, you should because these, these rapid tests, they will tell you, you are not shedding enough virus now to be detected. So go about your life. The problem is the CDC doesn't want to do that. So they basically have instead this timeline, uh, you know, system where this says, you know, hole up for five days, you know, isolate for five days, and then you can go out. The problem is the five days thing, I mean, you know, you probably are going to be infectious, like, you know, truly infectious for five days, but maybe more, right? But the, the, the rapid tests give you direct evidence about you and your body. The CDC has not recommended the negative rapid test, and that's caused a lot of controversy, and we wrote about that. It took 10 days for me recently to, like, even get a negative test, and that was really confusing because some tests would come back like, oh, I I think it's positive. The next one – so I've I've dealt with that frustration as well. You have to take a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a very close friend. Like, day 11, he was testing positive. And, and, and it, it matters if you want to go, like my friend wanted to go visit his parents who are, who are very elderly. He wanted to know, am I going to give my parents COVID, right? And um, under the CDC guide, guidance, he could just go see them. But he needed better assurance than that. So I told him, and, and this is what our article says, is it's better to get a, a negative test if you really want to be sure that you're not going to sicken someone else. And the backstory on this is the CDC is looking at their guidance. They're thinking about redoing it. Our sources tell us they're not, they're still not going to recommend the negative test. And that, that's, you know, a lot of people think that's a mistake. There's reasons for it because let's face it, not everyone has access to the test. Not everyone can take off you know, paid leave or work from home. Not everyone can, you know, work on their laptop on their porch the way I do. Um, There's a lot of sort of social factors, you know, about risk analysis here. But fundamentally, fundamentally, it, it just scientifically, it would be good to have a negative test before you start mixing it up with other people. 
Totally. Well, with that said, though, yeah, like what if your test is positive for like a month or, you know, we've heard that that could happen, but you don't have any symptoms anymore. It's clear you don't have it. Well, that's a very good point. Okay, so in our story, we say that people say that even if you test positive after 10 days, you're almost certainly not going to be able to, to, to give it to someone else. In other words, and, and I think what you're referring to with the, the 30 days the PCR test, which is which is this sort of genetic test, it can detect a little fragment of the virus and, you know, you know, shine a red light saying, hey, you, you still have detectable virus, but you're not able to actually transmit it. It's not like a cultural bull piece of virus. Imagine a, a laboratory experiment where you take a little bit of your, you know, your 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 sample of your virus and you try to grow it. You can't grow it. Um, you know, after about 10 days, it just doesn't work. So 10 days is probably the maximum amount of time that you can transmit the virus. I mean, and it could be exceptions, but in, you know, beyond 10 days, I'd say, yeah, stop isolating, go out there. Yeah. But the right now it says five days and go. And a lot of people say that is just simply not a very well-established guideline. It was done back, remember when Omicron came in last December and all the airline flights were canceled, the CDC was under all this pressure, so they reduced the guideline from 10 days of isolation to five, Mm -hmm. and that was sort of a pragmatic, practical thing because the economy was crashing. Yeah, and I'm wondering, should the rules be changing as different variants or different forms of these variants kind of shift as well because they're all different and they can impact people's bodies differently and then i'm also wondering are people questioning the validity of rapid tests now well i mean i i I agree with you there's a lot of questions here including how accurate are the rapid tests you you, i'm sure you've heard stories people who got sick you know they had you know they had like symptoms of something tested they were negative they were negative and on day four they were positive yeah. i've heard that multiple times and it's a little quirky i mean you know sometimes it could be the people who are vaccinated they're and now i'm going out look i'm a newspaper reporter i'm not a doctor but you know or a scientist but it could be people who are vaccinated their body detects the virus because of an exposure and before the virus really has a chance to grow and be even detectable your body launches the immune response, and then you have all these symptoms. The symptoms are caused by your own body having this immune response. So it could be that you're sick, but you really have very little virus in you. But your, your vaccines and all that are, are kind of, you know, you know, acting proactively to try to, you know, tamp down this invader. That's a possibility. All right. Well, a lot to think about here, but at least we know, yeah, after 10 days, you're pretty much good to go. And Paxlovid might be the reason why this is happening. There's not really an actual rebound COVID, although you can get COVID uh, not, I I guess, quickly after now. Or is there like something new around that? Because I know we thought like, oh, it's 30 days or or, I don't know, months after you could get it. So so I would I would say that if if you are testing positive for COVID, you need to take precautions uh, up to a certain point and in which case so like you said after 10 days it's probably not an issue but in the case of, of biden yeah he's isolating and he needs to, he, he should isolate until he tests negative I, I i would think because you know he's shedding virus still yeah, yeah. he's having a rebound case it's not exactly a reinfection it's just that he never really yeah. got rid of it 
And um, I, I, my understanding is he's not sick. That's good. Everyone is has their own kind of situation, you know. I mean, like, you know, we're not, we're not all the same. Our infections are not all the same, and our circumstances are not all the same. Yeah. For me, I have a lot of advantages in that I can always stay home, work from home, yeah. and still get my, my salary. So it depends on who you are and what your situation is. Yeah, just uh, hopefully those antibodies work because we know that it's uh, getting easier to get it again after that. But that was science reporter at Washington Post, Joel Achenbach. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, let's switch gears here. Yes. I feel like it's time, right? Uh, let's it talk is. about what to look out for in today's primaries in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri. Because I'm wondering how those Republican candidates, how they're doing, especially the ones that like voted to impeach Trump. I would love to know that. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, with a few, a fewer than 100 days until the general election, the final rounds of 2020, what is it, 2022? What year is this? Yep, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> final rounds of 2022 midterms primaries are coming fast and furious over the next six weeks. Beginning today in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri, what are the big takeaways? Well, you're joining us is our fave Ryan Basham. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. You're my fave as well. Oh, you know, minds who love each other. Um, no, but seriously, <laughs> this is such a big moment, right? I think a lot is weighing on this time right now. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts around today's primaries? Yeah, you know, there are uh, some really important elections around primary elections, and in particular in Arizona, that are a big test of Donald Trump's endorsement power. Um, in Arizona in particular, there's a Senate race, uh, governor's race, um, and I believe another race, too. Oh, uh, Secretary of State, where, you know, there are Republicans running in that primary, some of whom have been endorsed by Mike Pence. And in the case of the race for governor, the outgoing Republican governor. And then on the other side of the table are Republicans um, endorsed by Donald Trump. And so it's pitting basically rational, sane, uh, some could describe uh, institutional um, uh, or mainstream Republicans against election deniers, big lie supporters that Donald Trump has endorsed. And so uh, and in, in some polls, in some of these races, it's it's really close. So mm. this is a test for in a state that flipped for Biden in uh, uh, in 2020. Do Republicans who do Trump supporters beat out more establishment Republicans? That is wild. I mean, what does that say about where our country's at, that this is actually popping up right now? Well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I read recently an article that someone uh, wrote about um, political movements. And, you know, one of the points you made was that political movements have a half-life. You know, um, McCarthy, uh, during the McCarthy area, McCarthyism, if you, you, you people hear about that and, um, and the, the communist scare things that he did, he was still in the office for two more years. I mean, people like that, Nixon was in office well after the crimes he committed. So, um, you know, the... The reality is that Trump is going to do a long-term fade into obscurity. It might be starting now. It might not. But what it means is we're still having to deal with the impact of that because the Republican Party doesn't really have a platform, doesn't really mean much, except um, the winning strategy for most of them is to say that the election in 2020 was was fraudulent. And and we know now for sure – that that's not true, although right. no, it was never seriously in question. So that's the sad thing is we only have one legitimate political party and the other one is a clown show. Yeah, so I guess how much does Trump's impeachment actually still matter at this point? Not really? Not really. I mean, here's the thing. Um, all the polls around the January 6th uh, committee hearings and all these other things 
um, tend to indicate that that base of Trump voters has stayed the same no matter what. His base support is there. And then the Republican Party, if they want to win things, they have to make up a little bit more to get to get to a, a margin of victory that will get them across the finish line. So, you know, Republicans in general are not that moved, but independents are. So uh, the what we're looking at now is there are probably going to be some a lot of really extreme uh, far, far, far radical right Republicans nominated in primaries. That's already started to happen. And then they're going to go up against Democrats. And in some places, it's going to be a benefit to the Democrat running uh, because the p- general population, including those independents, are not going to be able to tolerate that crazy right wing Republican in the race. But there are other instances where that's not a foregone conclusion. You know, the Democratic Party has invested a lot of money in some races in helping the crazy Republican win the Republican primary because they think that's going to help them win the general election. But in some cases, that's a really risky strategy because we may find – I mean, who knows what could happen. And in a close race, we could end up with one of those, you know, bat you-know-what crazy Republicans ending up in Congress or ending up in the governor's house. Yeah, scary stuff. Also, abortion is on the ballot for the first time since the SCOTUS decision, and this is something we're going to be really looking at that will determine a lot, won't it? Yeah, and it's you know it's happening on different timetables in different places, but in the places where it's already ending up on the ballot, we're going to see people who are anti-abortion mobilized, and that's going to bring out conservative voters that should, in theory, boost uh, conservative candidates. But also, if the folks on the left, if um, pro-abortion folks um, it, do a good job organizing, that could really mo- – mobilize um you know more liberal progressive voters Uh, the challenge though is that people who care about abortion rights access rights and access the most of them still consider the economy a bigger factor for them in who they vote for and so if if the perception of the economy is really bad by the time the midterm elections this fall roll around it well may be that people who want to maintain access to abortion still don't show up or they do vote for the Republican because they think that is more in line with their economic interests. Yeah, it's such a loophole, and they know that, so they're going to push for all of it, thinking that it'll over, like, the economy's going to overshadow it. Well, wow. Ryan Basham, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you, and um, if there's any major results, we'll most definitely have you back to update all right, us all. looking forward to it. Thank you. Amazing. Well, next up, Gordon Ramsay is under fire for a TikTok he posted. Uh, we're talking about it next. The vegans are upset. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay is facing backlash on TikTok from some folks after posting this video where he appears to, uh, you know, be targeting lambs he's about to eat for a meal. So here he is, and we'll talk about it. Yummy, yum, 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 yum. Yummy, yum, 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 yum. Which one's going in the oven first? You. Mmm. Oven time. So basically in it, he's like, you know, he he's standing where the the lambs are. The sheep, right? Are they sheep and lamb? No, they're different things. Lambs are lambs. 
And sheeps are sheeps. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. Um, see, I'm I'm a vegetarian, so I don't speak now, about this a lot. That's something you also learned in the third grade so, as well, <laughs> when you're learning about your animals. So, what what sounds do they make? Oh, okay. McDonald. <laughs> so lamb, he's he's he has these lambs, and they're all running around. They're looking cute. He's staring at them, taunting them, saying "yum yum yum" in the oven. And so, a lot of people thought it was funny like my co-host here, Ryan, and others thought it was pretty just insensitive. It's like, yes, we know you eat meat. You don't need to, like, put it out there in front of everyone. Like, it'd be different to be saying, saying like, oh, I'm into farm to table, and here it is. He's, like, making a funny uh, video, making fun of the animals. You don't need to put it out there. You don't need to put it in front of our faces. majority of the world eats meat. It does that matter. And also, I think we have to think about this from um, um a culinary perspective. He got into what, that space. What is this sophistication? Like he got is... into that space because he enjoys it. I'm assuming he's a a, a lover of food. Of he's course. a lover of the process. And so I do think Gordon Ramsay, if you follow him, is known to troll a little bit because of what his persona is, his media persona is, right? But I also think like. Him saying, oh, my God, mm, yum, that's that's literally anybody who sees their, the waiter start about to bring them their plate of food being like, oh, I can't wait to devour this. For some reason, I feel like people who don't eat meat, those vegans or vegetarians, are always pushing like the fact that, oh, just because you eat meat don't mean you have to push it on us. But y'all push a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle on everybody else. You want everybody to eat grass for the rest of their life? I just don't get it. I don't understand. I just think y'all are a little too sensitive in this moment. It's not that big of a deal. He's not taunting a, 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 a lamb. It's a lamb. Uh, producer Shelby. Um, so, Ryan, you're the minority in this Of course situation. I am. Everyone eats nothing over here. Yes, because I, too, I'm pescatarian, so a little different from Shira, but I think you are wrong in that um, people... I'm happy we didn't ask. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we did ask. People, not everyone, I will say there are the vegetarians and the vegans that will push it on you, but... That's a lot I... of people. Personally, everyone that I know that doesn't eat meat, that's past partners, that's friends, that's, you know, my inner circle, no one cares. Some people are like, oh, sorry, I'm eating a sausage in front of you. I'm like, I don't care what you're eating. I'm just not going to eat it. And there is situations I will eat meat if it's locally sourced, if I know where it's coming from, which is an easy thing to do in Ohio because we're farmland. And when I'm visiting home, you know, that's a thing. But this is insensitive in that he could have said, oh, I'm picking my lamb for this meal I'm going to make. Like, I'm choosing this one because blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he's making a joke out of it, I'm like, okay, now that's just kind of like whatever. Like, So now there's literally no ability to like have a fun humor moment no because of the sensitivities that i think it's, it's like it'd be different if he was like oh we're at this place we're getting it and i know this like, or trigger, like alert, exactly. trigger alert this is like not he, for the y'all, meat y'all are being peaked for the vegetarian well, eaters shelby's right? being not shelby is non-binary but y'all are being like, well, she's being peak white woman and <laughs> shelby is also being peak non-binary white oh person because well, here's person. the thing yeah because here's <laughs> the thing it that literally makes no sense to me when you're thinking about like, yeah, yeah, it's a joke. But, like, if you say you're friends and you don't care someone eats a sausage, why do you care about this video? It's why just, you just double tap it or don't double tap it and just move on? 
it's just insensitive. Like it's not necessary. Uh, it's not necessary. Not nece- that's the best exactly. way to put it. Exactly. But uh, well, y'all, I mean, y'all, not necessary. And they're so cute. They're so cute. And you didn't even know if it was a sheep or a lamb. You know what? It's an animal. And they're furry and cute. They're meant to be eaten, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. I mean, you're saying you would look that animal in the eye and tell them you're going to eat them? Especially once it's about to get glazed. Oh, oh. lamb chop sounds so delicious. I had Ugh. some for my birthday, actually. Gross. Just All saying. right, next up. JoJo Siwa is facing backlash from the queer community. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. More music coming up right here on Channel Q, but right now we're getting into some more show, and we've got a special giveaway for you. Oh, we sure do. And it's not Beyonce related, but I (laughs) wanted to run that track back because I love it. Well, Channel Q wants to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at his biggest North American tour to date. Enter to win at WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win round-trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, $200 gift card, come on money, and two VIP tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Uh, this is iconic. I love Ben Platt. Wish I was going. He's well, coming here to the know, Hollywood Bowl, I believe. There's still time. Get your ticket. Yeah, I'm going to go to Hollywood Bowl. And, uh, I'm already. Coming up in 30 minutes, <laughs> what could make you more liked, according to psychologists? And why JJC was getting backlash from the queer community in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Former President Donald Trump finally endorsed Eric, <laughs> just Eric, for the GOP primary. <laughs> in a statement last night, no, literally just Eric. there was only one problem. There are three Eric's running for the seat. It was unclear if Trump's statement was an endorsement of former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, current Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, or Eric McElroy, all of whom are running in the primary. Okay. Uh, moving on to uh, the Justice Department, who uh, we, we actually did talk about this. They sued the state of Idaho. Uh, which was seeking to invalidate the state's restrictive abortion law, marking the Biden administration's first challenge of this sort since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Good news there. Uh, And Biden, um, the Biden administration is taking the first steps towards developing a high-speed railway. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says that they're going to be developing this highway, and he told it, to Trevor Noah on last night's episode of The Daily Show. Let's play that clip. 
And we're taking the first steps in that direction right now. Look, I, I thought I was the biggest trained person I know, but in this administration, I'm always going to be second place after the president of when course. it comes to yes. enthusiasm for passenger rail. Uh, look, frankly, the first order of business is to take care of what we've got. We've got a huge backlog because uh, there's, there's been a lot of resistance to investing in our rail networks. But we also have enough resistance coming from. You know, some of it's ideological, some of it's cultural, but the, the way I see it is, why shouldn't Americans have the best rail in the world? He has never been interested in trains. <laughs> he's really good at life. selling it, though. He's never been interested. The only <laughs> trains that he's interested in are the ones that we can't talk about over the airwaves. That's gross. Anyway, move. <laughs> All right. I'm that just was saying. Exciting. I could make more jokes, but I Do don't you know? You, you kind of look like you didn't know what a train was. I don't, but I uh, was I'll thinking about something else. commercial break. Okay, that was what's trading this hour. What's happening in entertainment <laughs> news? Or I could just Google. No, I wouldn't. Put that in your, your <laughs> search <laughs> Okay. Okay, so JoJo Siwa is responding to some backlash after she said that she didn't like the word lesbian. Um, yeah, it's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So a few days ago, she had an interview with people, and somehow she ended up saying this. I don't like the word itself. It just like lesbian. It's just like a lot. But but I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I am. So it's like it just is. It's like the word moist. It's just like ugh. I, lesbian. <laughs> um. Now, of course, uh, lesbians everywhere were upset. Some even saying this: lesbian is not a dirty word, and the stigma needs to be unlearned badly. And in light of a recent JoJo Siwa interview, here's a quick reminder that lesbian isn't a bad or dirty word. Well, of course, JoJo Siwa, um, in, in pure JoJo Siwa fashion, had to clear it up. Here's what she had to say. Lesbian! Oh, I, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't her. Wrong button, wrong button. I never said that lesbian was a dirty word, and I never ever would say that it's a dirty word because it is not. It is not a bad word, it is not a slur, and it is especially not a word that I am ashamed of saying or ashamed of identifying as by any means. It says, I'm sorry that people are trying to cancel you for not liking the sound of a word. And that's exactly it. I don't hate the word lesbian. I just, whenever somebody talks to me about my sexuality, I just say that I'm gay. Not the word that flows off the tongue for me, if that makes sense. Well, maybe she should say it like this. Lesbian! <laughs> because clearly, um, that's your team report. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around for it. After this, how the four-day work week is changing the lives of those giving it a shot. Could this be coming to uh, a workplace near you? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Could a four-day work week be happening? Could it be a reality? This is something that is being experimented with around the world. And more recently, the UK has made headlines because they're doing a six-month pilot that's committing uh, 3,300 workers across 70 companies to work 80% of their usual week in exchange for promising to maintain 100% of their productivity. Uh, the program is being run by a non-for-profit called Four Day Week Global. Okay. Um, it's part of this think tank in partnership with researchers from Cambridge University, Oxford University, and Boston College. And here is the development manager talking more about it. 
it's good, obviously, for sort of employees who get more time back to spend with their sort of families on professional development. It turns out that in virtually every industry, it's possible to do now to do five days worth of work in four, sort of without stressing people out. I'm optimistic that even as we return or we can return to something like normal that you know, we will be able to continue to experiment and kind of build on the best parts of the experience of the pandemic. So, okay, so I, I think this one, this type of system works in the UK and overseas because they have a different relationship with how they view work and hustle and all that. Like they go on, you know, what they, I mean, they, they don't call it vacations, but they go on holidays, right? They well, do yeah, they so, have a month. Europe has like a month holiday. Yeah, so they do so much where work is not their, their center, their core, or their, you know, their, their worth value. Here in the States, unfortunately, on this side of the world, that is all that it matters to us. And so capitalism runs us in ways that I don't think we're, we're willing to let go of it. I mean, they barely wanted us to be able to work from home. We had to get a pandemic, a virus to take us out for us to then be able to be like, oh, well, I still need you to get you. Uh, I need you to get that work done, though. And we're going to set up a camera so we can watch you and make sure you're getting the work done. Yeah. So it's like I'm not necessarily um, sure if this will ever come here. I can see it being implemented everywhere else, but... Yeah, know. I mean, Spain is talking about it. The UAE is going to a four-and-a-half-day work week. And, uh, you know... What does that even mean, a half? <laughs> Four-and-a-half. Because they actually have a holiday on Fridays. It's kind of like their religious holiday, it seems. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and even Shabbat, you know, the Jews. But, yeah. Hey, why not? So, you know, you know uh, a company in the U.S., Lowe's, actually is giving employees the option of coming in four days a week. The thing is, in the Lowe's? U.S., supposedly there were a lot of people the complaining. Like where you can get lumber? So, yes. But the question is, and this is the big thing, is are they going to pay less? Because it also becomes, because and we're so capitalist, it's like, okay, saying. we're going to pay less. That's not the point. And the, guess what? When they, when they don't, they don't. My thing is, if this is to work, that means people have to still be able to afford the livelihood that they already have. Exactly. And if this, if, if you're not willing to to make sure that's happening, then guess what? We it's it's really unfortunate, but the data has shown the ways that we care about people here in this state. I mean, alone, we're going to be. I believe we're talking about it in the next few days about how Gen Z is experiencing food insecurities in ways that other generations have never experienced it, and so we can't even figure that out. Why should we be focused on a four day work week right now? Uh, well, here's the thing. There are um, impacts of it. Uh, they're saying 78% of staff become happier, 70% are less stressed, 62 take fewer sick days. One. Of course. Uh, you could also of say course. this could actually save us money, right? Uh, a society that is happier, less stressed, taking few sicker, fewer sick days is actually, we're saving money in many ways. Here's the thing is that we are America. We also say they save monies when there's probably less mass shootings in this country, but guess what? There still are. So if we were happier, maybe there would be mental health, you know, anyway. Domino effect. There's a lot of issues here in America. Let's tackle one thing at a time. But That's what I'm saying. Why are we well, even having this conversation? Well, because I think that the the amount of stress that uh, people do have in this country is heightened, and we need to look at our lifestyles and what we're doing to change that, and also, obviously, how much money we're making. All of it is combined. The people who are in but, power and rich, they're not experiencing the same levels of stress that we are, because if they were, then they would most definitely be on the side of the people. Totally. Well, well it's time, once again, as more of those people who have been, you know, I would quote-unquote, at the bottom, move to the top, they can make those more um, practical and reasonable 
decisions. Then but I, uh, I think that in the end, because we are America, no federal legislation could be made because no one's going to follow that. It would have to be a case-by-case, company-by-company scenario. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be like, get yourself out of my business. Don't tell me what to do. You know, we want to work like it's American dream. Like, let me work. I'm proud of working. You know, the whole spiel. Which is toxic and gross. But, and I'm proud hey, I think it could be coming to workplace near you. Or Maybe. if you make your own company, Fingers figure crossed. it out. Next up, what's going on? Uh, we're talking about a recent study that people think uh, that speaking less than half of the time in a conversation would make them more liked. What psychologists have to say about this after this? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so do you think if you talk less when you first meet someone, that means they find you to be more likable? This is the question that we are asking after a new study found that people have a, a ret- is it retinence? A retinence? gap basically they may mistakenly think that they should speak less in order to be seen as likable reticence reticence that's a word that i don't typically right? use either that's word of the day word uh reserved that, okay. like the quality of being reticent well it's so reserved. interesting there was like i said the study in personality and social uh psychology bulletin basically found that people consistently thought that speaking less than half of the time in a conversation would make them more liked but this is most definitely a mistaken belief. I have to say, before we dive into more of this, and, and we can have a conversation about this, I, especially in new spaces, when I'm by myself and I don't know anyone, I get very, very, very insecure about mm. talking about what I do, who I am, especially like when I went on a trip, uh, I went to on a trip to Israel, and um, I, it was all new people that I really hadn't met, Ever, never, strangers. And I was so insecure about it my first day. I was so insecure because it was like all these other people, I automatically kind of built stories in my head about what they were, who they were, what they did. I heard what they were doing. And I remember that first day, I was like so quiet because I was nervous about, you know, having a conversation, being like, oh, I don't want to say anything or do something that is going to you know, make these new people that I have to be now on this trip with for nine to ten days look at me different. Not like you. Yeah. Right? And so I, I think like that is the first day a, of school. That is the first day of school. My mother always tells me every time I start something new, she's like, I remember, Ryan, you used to, like, pack everything up. You used to, like, be, you used to lay your clothes out because you were so nervous about the first days of yeah. school. You didn't know what you to expect. Yeah, it's a, out and, of your control. And so I think that's something that has lingered with me. So I oh, completely understand this. What is your experience with that? Yeah, it's interesting. I either get in the mode where I feel in a flow, with whether it be people I know are strangers. Like, I either feel right away like, these are cool people. Yeah. I vibe, and I feel like I could be myself. Immediate connection. Or I... I'm like, ooh, I'm not sure about this space. Like, they might be good people. It's not like even they have bad vibes, but it's just this uncertainty about where everyone's at. And so... It, it makes it so I personally don't feel as confident, although... I feel like people might not sense that, right? Because in general, I have probably more confidence than most people. But for me, internally, I know that I'm not feeling as confident, right? Like, you you might you might not be giving off what you think you are. Even the people that know you might get that vibe. Um, I find that a lot of times, uh, if it's new spaces, sometimes I feel like I need to share almost context of who I am and what I'm up to to be taken seriously yes, yes especially out yeah here. but then i'll like i'll only do uh, like that for a moment just to put it out there 
And then it becomes, I get anxious almost like, what else could we do in the conversation? Depending on if they get it and they're like, ooh, we're in the same place, that could open up a whole thing. Yeah. And if they don't, it becomes like, ooh, what else can I talk about that they could connect with? And I feel like I'm I'm producing an interview like I'm on you the radio. Literally, and that's how it feels sometimes, especially with what, when we do what we do. Interv- it feels like you now have to start being an interviewer. Or you just need to be producing a, like an interesting segment. Yeah. <laughs> so it's right? like, why? And like, I think that only happens to people, like, I don't know. I don't know if that happens to everyone, but for me, because I'm aware of beats and energy of conversations, yes. mm-hmm. I could feel when it's just off awkward. and awkward. And then I'm like, oh, God, got to keep this recover? moving. Gotta How do you recover? <laughs> <laughs> You're now sweating, trying to figure it out. And I'm like, and so, I, and that's why I'm kind of jealous of my boyfriend who goes in so smooth and cool. And he just is confident about who he is, which I am too in many ways. But he he could talk about anything and be like, it's okay, right? Yeah. And uh, sometimes I also have that, but there's just like a feeling of, oh, I don't have it that much. So do you feel like you talk more or talk less so, when you're in anxiety? Like, oh, when you're in anxiety, uh, I feel like if there's other people talking, I'll sit back and I'll be like, great, I can talk less no, and enjoy. And I feel that too <laughs> as someone who is a, yes. a person that can carry the energy of a totally. room. When I know I don't have to, girl, I'm in the corner. I'm like having my drink, Literally listening. Maybe I'll throw in something yes. here and there. Yeah. But if I'm feeling like everyone's doing that, that's when I feel like I need to step forth mm-hmm. and be the talker. Yeah. Or, you know, over-explain myself, over-talk. I mean, producer Shelby, do you do any of this? I feel? You know I'm quiet. Oh, my God, girl. She's quiet like a church mouse. I'm so quiet. And I, this has actually, like, caused problems for me before. Oh, really? I had someone. I was meeting a friend of a friend. I was in sixth grade. And the friend of my friend said that she wanted to beat me up because oh, I wasn't no. talking. I'm you like, know, oh, my God. Sometimes my thing is, you know, not to condone violence. No. And you don't deserve to be beat up. Let me put that out That's there right now. That's trauma experience. I just have to say, sometimes when someone is being too quiet, you, you start to create a story of being like, well, who do they think they are? Or they judge you. Me, yeah. Or you know what? I and so maybe that's what that is. Yes. I'm just was. shy. Or is are they a B word? Are they a C word? Yeah. You know, I think that happens a lot, and that's unfortunate. Including it happens. I think it happens to all genders, really. Yeah. Right? No, it does. It, it actually, most definitely. It does. actually does, um, and it's really unfortunate. And, and that's why sometimes if I'm around people, if they're not talking, I try not to take it on. Like, what are they thinking? Are they just not liking me? Do they not think I'm cool enough? Because most times, like people just have anxiety. Have you right? grown out of that? No. You haven't noticed? I, no, I still I, just I, sit I, here. I know. I know yeah. a lot more, but I'm trying to create conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think I've gotten better at speaking in, in social context. It really just depends on the context, how many people there are, if I know the people yeah. at all. Um, the, another problem it's created for me is when I, I first started dating this person a few years ago, his mom didn't like me because I, I wouldn't speak. She said it was rude that I wouldn't speak because oh, she felt like she didn't know me. And I understand yeah. parts of that, but it was still like new in the relationship i was still anxious about you know meeting the parents so um well then how i guess that's the question right how do you find that that moment where you can push through that especially in big moments where you're mm-hmm. meeting your partner's parents to be, yeah to be clear there is a balance i would say be. because when you are that person that enters the room and just tries to take all the suck all the energy yeah. out of the room that could be really uh, overwhelming for a yeah. lot of people mm-hmm. and feel like you, you're just tone deaf and you're not, you don't have any emotional intelligence. Yeah, and it kind of, I feel like, can make you seem like you have some kind of ego too. You're narcissistic, and, yeah. like you're not caring about anyone else. How annoying is it when uh, you're in a conversation 
and uh, someone's just talking, and you're, like, asking questions, and then they don't even turn around and ask you any questions. Yeah. Yeah, there's this um, as, there's a social psychologist at the University of Sussex who basically their name is Gillian Sandstrom, and they run How to Talk to Stranger workshops, and she basically asks people what they worry about when meeting and speaking to new people. And she said, people worry about all kinds of things, but one that surprised me was that some people worry about talking too much. Yeah. surprised me because it's not my personal experience. I'm more likely to just sit there in silence with the voice in my head shouting, think of something to say. <laughs> no, so here's the thing, and we need to wrap. I, I, you know, I saw Nadia from Pussy Riot. She is so cool, by the way. And I'm a fan, so I didn't know what to say to her, right? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know what to say. So my my boyfriend says to me, just ask people about like themselves, and they'll talk. So I I asked her. She goes, oh, I've been I've been having some issues like emotional. But you can't like, do that on a date either. Well, then I said to her, oh, well, what do you, what's going on? How why are you feeling so bad? She goes, well, I don't have feelings, and that just ended the conversation. <laughs> so I was like, that didn't work. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, next wow, up. <laughs> What are microtransitions? How are they making you anxious? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, a lot of times life transitions can bring on a lot of anxiety, but what people don't talk about are microtransitions. Uh, these are things that happen day to day in life that are actually transitions, but not like the same as huge ones we might talk about, right? Like having a baby, a job change, a breakup, right? Yeah. Moving. Death. Let's get there. Let's go there. Um, so, I, I want to get into this because I actually felt this is, was a really interesting a story in HuffPost, um, and I want to go through some of these micro transitions and, and get your take on it because um, some of them I connect to, some of them I don't really connect to, but I could see how it could be a thing. One is sunset. Um, which is so interesting because some people actually get anxiety as the sun goes down because they have really bad I ideas or thoughts that come in at nighttime. So the minute the sun sets, they actually just get anxiety. I think that's one thing. But then also I think another thing is um, you are probably now realizing the day is over. Yeah. Have you accomplished everything you or wanted to accomplish? That, like it, yeah. I think that can, it can bring up different feelings for folks when you're starting to be like, Damn, it's already sunset. It's time for basically nighttime. My day's gone. Or it's Your whole a, day's uh, gone. Yeah, it's a reminder that you're alone. Damn. I'm just saying this is what real. What the hell? Uh, another one is <laughs> uh, the the end of a fun event. That's always, I get just more like, oh, that was fun. I mean, I don't think I get anxiety. Do well, you, I but... think this is where you're alone. Because if that you're leaving too. an event... <laughs> You're going back to yourself, depending on if you're going back with someone or, you know, not. You're kind of having this, like, oh, I had such a euphoric feeling being around all these groups of people, this this person. Totally. These people right now, and I, I'm I'm going to miss that. I'm, I'm sad about that. To be honest, the end of a fun event is, like, heaven to me. Because <laughs> I'm like, sometimes. I, you know, I'd be wanting to wrap up an event real quick, being like, all right, it's time for everybody to get out. You don't got to go home. Like, I need Try my alone time. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I need to take my <laughs> shoes off, <laughs> take off my bra. Um, this is something that I sometimes deal with, uh, including depending on the vibe of the person, what they're calling audience transitions. Say you're hanging out with um, a partner and then someone someone else comes in the room and it's like, oh, the energy changes, right? And that might bring some anxiety. I, t I tend to, uh, this happened to me actually when I was a kid, like I was very attached to my dad and whenever he'd want to go away from me, like if we were hanging out in a room, I'd be like, no, stay. Like I didn't want the ship. He, he was safe to me. Mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so that that's an interesting thing. Like, if from going to, from a laid back person to a stricter person, it might bring up some anxiety. Honestly, I I get anxiety anytime like there's new faces or yeah. new people in in this space. This is something you might Unless all I know someone that I you know. Yeah, totally. This is something I think we all deal with: conflicting <laughs> obligations. <laughs> so when you you're approaching a moment where you know or a day. Where you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be a lot of different things going on at the same time, and like for me, this is what I, this, this is the anxiety I feel. I think every this morning, this is the sharing. This is my. This I, is actually. I, I said it. this is it. Where I just pray every day, please, whoever's watching, just guide me. Let it all be okay today. <laughs> let everything maybe if you go as planned, and if it doesn't, let it still be okay. Yeah, you know, I feel like I used to feel this way, but I think um, I have really found a balance for me that works for me in the sense of like, oh, I'm just seeing, I I mentally prepare myself when I see, oh, the next day is going to be a long day. Yep. I already know this is going to be a long day. And so that kind of helps me get into the, the, the space of being like, okay, you know the, what the, today is going to be. Let's just get it out of the way and let's get to it so we can experience that sunset transition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I think, you know, I've kind of, that for me, that doesn't, you know, I can see why, but that doesn't. Yeah, when I, when I uh, see where I know there's a lot of uh, different things ahead and a lot of, I'm going to be um, dealing with a lot of different types of people, it's exciting, but it's also like you're, I'm getting myself grounded of like, okay, you can do it. You can get through this. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. Uh, so, you know, this might explain a lot of your anxieties that come up that aren't just with, like, huge things in life, but throughout the day. It's all because of possibly microtransitions. Isn't that interesting? That is wild. It is very wild. Just put micro in front of anything. <laughs> exactly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 